Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today, something a little bit different, not a movie. We're talking about Game of Thrones. Yes. All of it. Um, having just watched the final episode, which aired a couple of days ago. Yes. Uh, yesterday, in fact. So um, let me set the scene. So I wanted to talk about this because I've been seeing the seasons, season two season, so to speak. Yeah, it started in 2011, yeah. I think. So, uh, and Mike's just seen it all in the last month. Yeah, I watched them all in, in the space of 36 days. Not for any... I mean, not like to do a podcast on it, but just because... I, I, I guess I fancied it like I thought at the end of the day I should watch it eventually and the final season was coming up so if I was going to watch it I might as well watch it before it gets spoiled yes. in the end do you know what I mean so I thought that would make kind of like an interesting contrast so it might make for an interesting conversation mm. so um, but I think we both agree that this, this last episode. episode is the worst one in the series I think it's the worst one I've never been so bored or seen things coming or having things underlined so heavily all the way through and being so portentous and want to be mythic and it's just so dull. We should say, um, as if there was any doubt about this, this is going to be spoiler heavy. You know? Yes. You've, you've seen the show or you don't care about the show if you listen yes. to this. <laughs> That's right. Huh? Um, yeah, I, it was boring as hell. Um, there, were, there were one or two surprises. I don't think either of us expected the um, Iron Throne to be melted. No, that was a, that was a good one because we both we both sort of said at the very start of the episode we both said we can only imagine one way this show ends, which is with a shot of Jon Snow on the Iron Throne. Yes, that's kind of what it's been heading towards, and so the kind of a final surprise in it, for me at least, was that that doesn't happen at all. No, and actually the whole thing about sort of his parentage and him turning out to be a very important member of a of a dynasty and the first in line to the throne. Um, ends up meaning very little in this, you know. Once, once Daenerys is dead, the fact that he is supposed to be—that's a problem with the nothing. film. Because I don't think that's a problem at all. I, I, that's I, something I liked. Well, no, I didn't like that, and I think it is a problem with the film because it's a cheat. You can't say that, you know, um, you you have to kill Daenerys, and you know your parentage is always going to be in the way of her, an obstacle between her and the throne. And you know, kind of give him or attribute to him uh, all the characteristics that will mean uniting all of the seven kingdoms, and then kind of at the end say, "Well, it wasn't that important to begin with." I think that's a cheat. I disagree. I think it, because because things change in this episode and in the last few episodes, things change, and, and the fact that jo- was it? I think it was the end of season seven. Was it that it was revealed that he was uh, this Aegon Targaryen? This this a challenger to the throne if the lineage is to be respected um, so it's only kind of recent development that that's kind of come in and then that becomes a threat to Daenerys but then it's also something that once they're making their own decisions about who can rule this that and the other I think that's kind of interesting well I think it's a cheat because you are saying this about uh, our knowledge of Jon Snow in season 7 but the whole show has been ruled since day 1 you know, about this idea of lineage. Lineage has been important to every plot development. It matters that you are the son of King this or, you know, or, or yeah. Mm. So 
to chuck it all at the end, saying, well, actually, it's not really that important we're going to vote. <laughs> I, I really is, like that. That's the thing I maybe like most about the episode, Well, is that they decide that this whole thing about Daenerys saying, I want to break the wheel, however much you want to believe that or not, they actually do, and they make a change. And like this, You could actually yeah, sense an ending. They do in a way that isn't consistent with the narrative, and mm. it's a cheat. So know. And they'd like to have it both ways. So, you know, that suggestion saying, well, why not get everybody to vote? Ha, 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 how ridiculous. But actually, they do something that is just as inconceivable within that kind of medieval mindset, which is, you know, what the film is kind of trying to emulate. So either lineage is important or it isn't. You know, you can't just say it's important whenever the narrative wants it to be important. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think it's the best written thing in the world, but I... I it was, liked, the writing was atrocious in this episode. I liked the um, the idea of it, and I like the sense of sort of... It's it's a little bit like... Um, uh, this is a spoiler, I suppose, for Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi, um, if you haven't seen that by now. Um, but in that, there was this whole thing about how Rey, who was introduced in The Force Awakens, was like she was going to turn out to be... You know, Luke Skywalker's daughter, or something like that—some important character—and that's why she was in in the in the film, basically. And then it turns out she's the daughter of nobody, you know. And like, and and in that again, this story, which has all been about lineage and about whose dad are you and who's who's your kids and Anakin and Luke and all the rest of it. Now it's again that's kind of broken in that. That's different to me. You know, that's sci-fi. It's the future. You know, um, it it can imagine different worlds. But well, this isn't history. This is all about kings and bloody queens, yeah. though. And you know, so the whole dragons th- and magic. And yeah, kings. but the whole thing is built on lineage. She is the mother of dragons, you know, and that's what gives her this power. You know, so she's the daughter of a king and the mother of dragons. I mean, to to have to, at the end say let's just vote is to me a um, a, a, a cheat. Well, I think the, the the show has done certain cheaty things, and actually, I think it got. I mean, having watched it all in a big <laughs> row, um, I think it got worse after about season four or something. I mean, you were telling me, oh, it gets better and better and better. I thought it got better until this season. I think it gets better and then it gets worse because what I found in sort of seasons, in the first few seasons, basically, is that um, the thing that I liked the most about the show is that it's in a really dangerous world and you really can't rely on anyone to stay alive at any point. Yes. And I knew that there were things like the Red Wedding, but I didn't know who died in them. and I didn't know when people died and who would die. So it was always a surprise when people did. I didn't expect Ned Stark to die in season one. Yes. For instance. I didn't know that he did. And, you know, and that is a huge shock. Yes. Um, and then you go on YouTube and watch the reaction videos of people you know, filming their mates watching it you know, um, and how stunned they are at, at, at what happened. Um, so, th- like... That, that's what I really liked about the show is that I really couldn't predict things and then after sort of season 5 or so I started to feel like I really could I could predict the way that fights would go I could predict the way that the plots would develop and if, in fights for instance there, there would be there would very often be like um, there was the Battle of the Bastards which was between Bolton and uh, between Ramsay Bolton and Jon Snow and it was this huge deal where jo- where Ramsay Bolton completely um, like fought Jon Snow into a corner. He didn't have the forces, and he was emotionally invested, and he just fought badly, and he was about to die. And then Sansa's mate, Lord Baelish, comes riding in with the cavalry and saves the day. And there was no tension in that fight at all, because you could see exactly how that was going to happen, and you started well, to feel like you knew who was going to survive. I think there's a bit wasn't. of retro aspect element to that, because, you know... Um, 
I remember seeing that when it came out, and actually, you didn't know that Jon Snow was going to survive, so... I felt like I did, that's the thing. Okay, well... Well, to be fair... You know that you did. Yeah, I did know that Jon Snow was... So that's bound to have an influence. I mean, I I have found it um, a really fascinating show overall. I actually, I really loved the plotting. It was always full of surprises. Um, I love the sexuality of it, you know, kind of... um, I love its attitude to sex, uh, the way that it treats sex, and the casual way that it also depicts sex. And, you know, people have been saying, oh, well, it's only women who are undressed. That's not true, you know. And actually, the fact that kind of men were as equally undressed in lots of scenes was, to me, novel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. something you don't uh, usually see. Um, I loved the whole spectacle of it. And, And actually, to me... You know, so so I was having not an argument, but a discussion with a friend on Twitter about and him saying, oh, I hate it when people say, oh, you know, it's not TV or, you know, um, it's film or whatever. And I was saying, well, you know, to me, the thing, one of the things that uh, Game of Thrones made me think about is, you know, that it's neither film nor, in fact, is it TV. You know, it's certainly not TV as I've always known TV, mm-hmm. right? Because... You know, kind of some of the some of the shots, some of the special effects, you know, the spectacle of it all um, is well. That's all just stuff I'm not used to watching in a television show, um, and uh, uh, I loved seeing it, and I love that kind of you know we can now kind of see this. I mean, the reason why I don't think it's TV is many reasons. Like, you know, so for example, in discussions of certainly American television, you you would say well. You know, television is kind of a delivery mode to advertisers, delivering audiences to advertisers. Well, you know, this doesn't... It's a subscriber service, no advertisers. So in so many ways, it's, to me, Mm. not TV. Which is not to say that it's cinema either, and which is not to put a value judgment on it. It also has a central difference with a lot of American TV in that um, HBO, I think with all their shows, don't air them until they're finished making them. Which in this country seems like that's just the way you make TV. But in America... You stuck. You put a show on before you've even finished the final, and you can like you can order ten more episodes, or you can cancel it ten episodes from the end. Yes. You know, whereas HBO doesn't do that. It operates much more in basically the way everyone else would make TV. That's right. You finish it. I mean, I think we're out. living in a different epoch, and actually, what we're watching on our television screens is something that certainly thirty years ago um, you would not be seeing, or you know, a large part of it is you would not be seeing. So. You know, our television set has become a delivery system for all kinds of things, including whatever's on your computer. So, you, so I just think it's neither film nor TV as we understood it. It's something else. This type of show. It's HBO. Well, <laughs> I don't want to say that because it's not just HBO, right? Yeah, I know, but it's funny um, how they um, they re. I don't think that is their slogan anymore. I think their slogan is something like "It's what connects us" or something completely unmemorable. But the thing about it's not television; it's HBO survives, and I, and the, and the, there is still this exceptionalism. I think, even though for a while, I mean, HBO didn't have the best programs. They went to things like like AMC with Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Mm. You know, other channels started having the big. The Americans, I think, was that on Fox or something. Other other channels started putting good money into making uh, a kind of premium dramas. And um, kind of took took some of the prestige away, but still, HBO. No matter no matter if it wasn't putting out the Sopranos and stuff anymore, it was still HBO. I There's think something different about actually. It. I was I was reading something on Twitter the other day that I thought was very interesting. That people are using Netflix as a verb. 
right? Oh yeah. So you're Netflixing, right? Netflix so, and chill. Uh, so 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 actually watching TV and watching Netflix is considered to be something different. Television is whatever is is being broadcast at the moment, right? And then Netflix stands in for not only what's playing on Netflix, but on Now TV and, you know, Amazon Prime. Yeah, those subscription things that mm. you have access to. Um, and actually, I thought that was interesting, you know. Do you think it's true, though? Because no. I, 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 mean, I think if someone says, I'm going to put on Netflix, they mean Netflix. If they were going to put on Prime, they would say Prime. I don't think it stands in as a catch. Like, it, it's, not the, it's not the same way you say Biro for pen or Hoover for vacuum cleaner. I think uh, you still mean the specific thing you're talking about. But I get. But I also agree that putting on Netflix is not the same as putting on the telly. No, and I think it's I, th- I think it's actually categorically different because whenever I go to Netflix, I go in with intentionality. You're always choosing, yeah? Mm. Yeah, you... you, well, you ch- have to. Oh, you have to, that's right. Whereas actually sometimes you just turn on the TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of, you know, whatever's there, right? Or, I mean, you might flick through a few channels, but, you know, you're not necessarily watching something you want to watch. And actually you're not necessarily using it to be attentive to it. Mm. Whereas actually, I think, you know, whenever I turn on something on Netflix, I am watching it, yeah. I must say, for me, the only time I really watch TV, uh, like live TV at all, now is sports. Yes. Um, you know, I've, I've, well, I've watched you know, Sky Sports, watched the Premier League and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I think what I watch on TV, in that sense of TV, whatever's on at the moment, is really the news. I also watch Judge Judy a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes I'm just tired, and you know. Uh, um, so, so there but are. You don't, but you don't pick out Judge Judy to watch. It's on when you are watching TV. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you know. If uh, I mean, if I come home from work, and really sometimes what you want to do is read a book. But yeah. actually, it's weird. I turn the TV on. It's like company or something, right? Yeah. You know, and so kind of you'll choose something easy that could be used as background but that you could occasionally have a glimpse at right mm. you know and so there are shows that I use for that if they happen to be on um, but but you turn on the TV really yeah. you know whereas actually I never just turn on Amazon or Prime you're always looking for something mm. you know so 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 anyway I don't want to belabor this too much but I actually do think that it's a categorical difference that it's a you know we're living in a different moment and we need new ways of talking about it and actually these terms you know film and TV are so loaded with things from from other times and you know the way that people used to talk about television as flow and things like that it just doesn't apply anymore right like it just doesn't you know so um, so we need new ways of kind of talking about these programs um, and actually I do think that I am surprised at the amount uh, the things that I saw, I mean, you know, I wrote this whole article of, the, about a shot or a type of shot in season five, you know, which I call the spectacular reveal, which is, you know, you'd go on a close up of something, you know, and then you'd realize that there was somebody in the city and then the camera would pan and you'd have this whole sweep of the city, right? Yeah. Or a ship or a dragon, right? Kind of, you know, that kind of thing that you would expect at a certain time to be available to see only like in VistaVision or Lords of Arabia or things like that, right? And actually now it's just happening kind of in your TV monitor, really. You know, and and, uh, uh, so, so anyway. That was part of the thing, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't, they they were spending so much money on this show. It was an equivalent sort of, it was basically like a cinema budget. Yes. For a television program. That was... I'm going to look up, see if I can find the, um, the sort of budget figures for Game of Thrones. Um, 
The pilot reportedly cost five to ten million dollars. The first season's budget was estimated at fifty to sixty. There was a fifteen percent budget increase for uh, a battle in the second season for eight million dollars. Eight million dollars for 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 an episode is big it's money. A lot of money. Yeah. Um, and particularly now with digital, right? You know, so. Um, so, you know, the budgets are particular to this type of show. It's an interesting thing. And it's one of the reasons, the spectacle is one of the reasons why I love the program. And I also love the whole melodrama of it. Mm. You know, the kind of fortunes kind of were reversed. You know, new bits of information could like completely change somebody's life, right? Like, you know. Um, season six apparently was about $10 million, over $10 million per episode. 100 million for a season. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, yeah, salaries will have gone up as well. Yeah, though, you know. But you also needed more CGI for the dragons. Yes, I mean the dragons. I mean, what I like best about this current season was the dragons. I mean, they were amazing they were to see. That yeah. shot in the last episode that we watched actually, when uh, when he's killed Daenerys and the dragons kind of mourning her and wailing, and and he's just very small on the bottom left, and the dragon is on the top right, and it's all yes. kind of just different shades of grey. Yes. Color, coloring the same. That was an amazing shot. Yeah, that was it beautiful. Is. I mean, I actually did try to project this on a large screen, and it doesn't work because oh, yeah. you know, as soon as you project it on a large screen, it you see the emptiness. You know? <laughs> like, and actually, there's there's something very interesting and beautiful about the design of it. It is designed for a television screen. You know, mm. um, so kind of you'll often see that the screen is broken up into like let's say three large elements you know and there'll be like candles creating a pattern right so it's stuff that will make a big impact on a television screen but as soon as you're using a larger screen you see all the empty spaces yeah all the ways uh, right, that the okay. frame isn't used you know um so uh um that's interesting yes i think so i never thought about that because i was just watching it on obviously on it well on my laptop actually uh-huh um, the whole time um so but anyway, what a letdown now. Huh? Well, I, 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 there were things I liked, but you know, it's a, it's a very very this particular episode is a very very long slow episode with way too much. And when you think about actually what happens for an hour and twenty minutes, nothing happens. It's uh, Daenerys gets killed. Everyone kind of kind of reacts to what happened in the last episode. Um, Jon Snow, they decide he can't be king. He has to get sent off to take the black again. Um, Bran becomes king, which I hate that fucker. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, very, very few things happen. There's a lot of empty space. I mean, I mean empty space in the way you did. A lot of time taken, a lot of talking it out. And it has that feeling of sort of the, sh- the, the story has ended now. Insofar, it like, and the way I think it kind of communicates that is it doesn't have enough story left to fill up the it could, final it could, episode. It could have been a 10 minute short, you know, and all those sweeping shots these never-ending things of people like kind of the backs of people you know floating into something you know it's like oh like it was just so dull and it did that with every character so every character got a like let's go into the future kind of never-ending scene Mm. it was just absurd but i did did like the, the the idea of the um breaking the cycle you know, of the way that things have worked in this world. No matter how much you say, oh, well, it wouldn't work like that. How can you put, you know, it's not realistic. I liked that, you know. I, if it's, a, you know, it's a fantasy. So I, I give it some sort of um, 
give it the leeway to do that. And I think the idea of breaking the cycle is kind of an interesting one. Like that 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 image that Daenerys brought up a few seasons ago of breaking the wheel and that's an image that kept coming back how one house is just replaced with another replaced with another what I'm going to do is break the wheel you mm. know um, that kind of that has resonances like you had uh, you had Sandor Clegane in the last episode going to kill his brother and Arya's there because she wants to kill the queen and Arya sees him and, and there's this moment of kind of realising like I have a choice in this moment to either hold on to all of my fury and, and and grievances and uh, uh, grudges and become him mm. or I can let them go and have a life of my own you know yes. and, and, and there's, this, there's this idea in that of, of Sandra Clegane is stuck in this cycle has been his whole life of trying to get back to his brother and holding on to his fury She's, she can break that you know there's this thing of which I don't think is very well expressed throughout the show but there is this thing of how Jamie Lannister has this has this overarching sort of story of kind of improving whether he means to or not just just he he actually he has things to hold on to he has his honor and he has his uh, he, he kind of is well meaning in, in all sorts of ways but he keeps on going back to his sister yes you know who's the worst person in the world yes i think the show doesn't express it well because it only really expresses that in that moment where he says goodbye to Brienne of Tarth yes and, and vocalises it. And doesn't it. handle that moment well. It doesn't. And it also hasn't done it really in the rest of the show, but I can see what they were trying to do with that. Well, I think it was very, very clumsy. You know, so I think they could have made a lot more out of Lannister's death with Cersei. You know, it could have all been filmed better and been given a lot more resonance. I mean, after all, it's fucking incest. You know, they've lost three children together. Yeah, they could have done something better mm. with that scene. And also today, I thought... You know, the, the Jon Snow's murder of Daenerys. I mean, you know, that could have been dramatized better. You barely know what's happening, yeah. you know. And actually, it doesn't last very long, right? So this is like this transformative moment in the whole series. And that, they, they cut it to nothing. And then they have these enormously long goodbyes to everyone. Yeah. It's absurd. Well, it's, uh, actually, that, that moment where, um, where he kills Daenerys, not only... Is it you know? It takes a second. If you, the blood comes out of mouth, you realise that's what he's done. But then they cut to this um, shot side on, where you see the knife sticking out of her chest yes. or out of, her, out of her belly. But like he's kind of behind the knife. Like you want that shot to be silhouetted. Yes. You know that that would be so much more dramatic. And 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 there was a there was a light, you know, a very nice bright background, because the whole place has been destroyed for her to be silhouetted against but they just didn't use it do I don't know why and actually there were like stupid things like why doesn't he take the knife off once she's dead right like <laughs> no it's true she's there with the thing sticking out and you know the dragon has to clutch it with its paw you know or whatever you call it a, a, claw. a claw you know I mean come on well um, there are well I mean I said that meant to love her so at least take the fucking thing out I, no one does that in this show. Though. It's like, it's like, but, but I mean, that's kind of like it's like how when people on on any television program when people have phone calls, they pick up the phone and don't say hello, and then they put down the phone and don't say goodbye. You know, and every time I'm going, that's really rude. Yes, me too. You know? <laughs> but this show has a lot of that, and and actually, I think that kind of stuff got worse in this. Like you had this thing about how in the first few seasons we had this this war between the Starks and the Lannisters and all the rest of it. It was a long, ongoing thing, and there was all this talk of, well, their people are going to be here, and we're going to be here, and it's going to take us two weeks to get there. Like, the whole, the, you know, Westeros is supposed to be a big place that takes a long time to travel places. In this season, you have an episode where 
like right at the south of the continent, Daenerys hears, you know, she basically says, I'm going to need to take the dragon north to fight at the wall, fight the Night King. Mm. And like five minutes later, she's there. You suddenly have no idea, like, how many, how, how, how far are these distances or how many people live in this place. They always seem to be able to just marshal a big old army. Mm. You know, these people seem to come out of nowhere. Like, you think so many people have died in the wars in this show so far, you think they would actually be running out of people. Yes. <laughs> so, well, that's the theme of this um, series. That they are running out of people. <laughs> um, but what I found most upsetting is that... So one of the things that I liked about the series is that on the one hand it's very melodramatic and occasionally quite funny, actually. But it's very unsentimental. Mm. Yeah? And it's very brutal. People die and they get killed in horrible ways. And, you know, it's, it's very unsentimental. And then this whole last episode is the most crappily sentimental thing I've ever seen. Mm. And Brienne of Tarn... Brienne of Tar. Of Tar, uh, uh, you know, writing that, you know, uh, epistolary she, she's filling, thing. She's filling in Jamie Lannister's entry in the oh, kind of Book of Nights. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with you. Uh-huh. I thought she had a very, very bad ending. Um, I, she's my, I think she's my favourite character in the whole show. We were discussing this. You say you, you like Arya. Yes, I, I like do. Arya as well. Um, but Brienne of Tarth I always found really interesting because I love her as well yes because she the whole thing with her she, she's she's you know seven foot tall and kind of a big hulking sort of woman and people take the piss out of her all the time they call her Brienne the Beauty in, mm. a, in an ironic way you know and um, and she basically wants to be in the man's game you know she wants to be a knight she wants to be a, a, a king's protector or whatever the word is coming for like the, the king's like yeah, the yeah. king's protector Um and she, she, she takes her, her job really seriously. So, like, she's in service to someone she doesn't fucking let up. She's yeah. always on about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's in service she's, to... Um, she's a woman of her word. Completely. Right? But, like, she's also a knight. But then, it, but then you can also tell, like, it kind of hurts her that she can't be a knight. Mm. You know, because that's, that's a man's thing. Which is why that, there was that thing where they all get around the table and Jamie Lannister knights her. And she's super happy. And, like, it means a lot. And it's wonderful. And then in this last episode... So she had this thing where she was, um, when she was in service to Catelyn Stark, Catelyn Stark said, take Jamie Lannister, who's our captive, back to King's Landing and trade him with my daughters, protect yes. my daughters, right? And, and Jamie Lannister was being an arsehole to her the whole time, but they developed a kind of respect and friendship for each mm. other, which lasts through to this final season. And they've defeated the army of the dead, right? Mm. And they're all celebrating how the hell did we win that? And they're drinking, and it's Tyrion, Jamie, Brienne, uh, Podrick, one or two other people maybe, and they're just sitting around a table drinking, and they're playing this drinking game which has been in the show before where it's a little bit like I Never, except you ask someone a specific question about their past, mm. and they have to keep on drinking until you say something that isn't true, and then you have to drink. And they're asking questions about Brienne, and then the one thing comes up, you're a virgin. And then she is, uh, you know, she's embarrassed, and the show robs her of her dignity in this episode, I mm. think. Because then it becomes... There's also this thing about how there's this character, Tormund, who's one of the wildlings who kind of John befriended, who has the has a thing for Brienne and thinks that he can sort of get with her, despite the fact she's shown no interest in him. Mm. And then Jamie chases her off, basically, and tries to console her. And Tormund's like, he stole my woman. It's like, what, what are you talking about? How has, this, how has she become... How, how has the show killed her dignity by turning her into this item that people are just chasing now and then it's this thing of how she admits to Jamie yeah I'm a virgin and so 
they sleep together, and that's meaningful, you know. And I kind of like that. It's meaningful to both. Meaningful to both. And then in the morning, she wakes up. He's not there. She's just in a robe, which I think is important because the whole time you see her, she's in armor. Like she lives in armor all the mm. time. This final scene in this episode for her, she's in a robe and she runs outside, and Jamie's there about to ride off to to because uh, he's in love with Cersei says all this stuff about how secretly I'm a really bad person I've never been good and all this and I love Cersei and that makes me the worst person in the world and she ends up crying basically almost on her knees in the dirt in this courtyard at four in the morning it betrays the character I hated that so much I hated it I loved her so much and I still love her I hated what the show did to her. It's like I the show didn't ima- understand I can imagine you crying over a woman who slept. Yeah. <laughs> I know I went on for a bit there, but I just... It's, I, I thought that's such a betrayal of that character, and it's like the show didn't understand itself. Yes. Well, actually, I think the show not understanding itself is a very good description of this last season. You know, and, yeah. and, and I think particularly this last episode, yes. I mean... You know, the, I think the whole treatment of Jon Snow is absurd. I mean, he's a man who's come back from the dead. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so aside from his parentage, yeah, like, you know, he's been built up this way, uh, and then kind of that's the send-off he's given. I just kind of... Um, and then, you know, you're right about Bran. Like, you know, where the fuck did he come from? I thought he was going to be the, the sage in the tree, right? He sees the past, he sees the future. How the fuck is he going to be a practical king, right? Like, it just makes no sense. I, again, I can see what the show was aiming at with that because it's saying, I think what the show is ultimately trying to say at this point is people have been fighting over this throne for so long and it's just led to death and destruction. The only people who are fit to rule are those who have no interest in doing so. But that was, but that's the not, reason for having Jon Snow take it. It's also, yeah, it, it is. So, you, <laughs> you know. know. Like, so I can sort of see the intention to a degree. I think the writers but, were just saying, oh, everyone will expect Jon Snow, let's be clever. I think and actually they weren't clever, and they haven't kind of come up with a better solution. I agree you with know. that. A couple of more things, actually. You see, one of the things that I found so fascinating about the show was the global reach of it. So it's not that television previously, or films previously, were not global, but, you know, when, when there was the whole who shot JR thing, mm. you got the sense that it was something of great interest in, you know, Western capitalist countries or whatever, right? But I was surprised, for example, like going to Cuba this year, that they had like all night like viewings of Game of Thrones, right? That mm. you know, like, It just felt like it's something that you felt everybody in the whole world was experiencing at the same time. Yeah. Right. And I think that's also interesting about movies because, you know, before you'd have movies released in America, you know, and then six months later or a year later they come to Britain. Yeah, it it had um, yeah. a, a time component to it. Whereas now it's all kind of pretty much released at the same time. Every, everyone's experiencing or has the potential to experience the same thing at the same time everywhere. And what we're experiencing or kind of, you know, two of the dominant things of the last... I don't know, seven years, say, or six years, has been Marvel and Game of Thrones. And I just wondered if you had anything well, to say. Well, that's what I was, I was going to pick up on that, because when you said cinema used to be, it showed in America, then it showed here, it is still that way. It's Except for the very biggest, like, it's, it's the big, it's the Marvel films and, and the big blockbusters and stuff, they have the world drive releases simultaneously. Uh, yes. But we think about other things, like, 
you know, when it gets to awards season, all the films coming out in November, December in America, we're not going to see here till January, February, March. Yes, it's you true. Know, so it still works true. that way with the smaller things. Yes. Yeah, but it's the event stuff that yes. is simultaneous. It's a global event, yes. Exactly. Uh-huh. And and that's what Game of Thrones has been. That's been a big simultaneous event yes. from what I understand. Like, but I mean, it was shown, shown in America the equivalent of 2 a.m. this morning for us. Yes. Um, I, I don't know when it's been shown on TV here. Maybe there was a simulcast here at that time. I mean... I but don't know. It'll be shown here very, very shortly, you know yeah. what I mean? So there is this kind of... There's no waiting for the rest of the world to, to catch up with Game of Thrones. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, any last words on this episode? Um, well, you know, I'm glad I rounded it off. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch it all in one go because it's something that has been, for the better part of ten years, you know, a kind of a staple show for people. And basically, I come in and go. I've spent a month and a half of my life on this, and now I can forget it. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 a, it's much easier for me not to be let down by it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because I've got so I've got a lot less invested in it, which is maybe why I pick out certain positives that you haven't in the final episode. Yes. Um, because you feel maybe there's more of a portrayal of what this, the the world is been building or whatever. Um, yes, perhaps. Um, anyway, it's a show that I've loved very much, though. You know. It's it's kind of it's one of those things really. I have tremendously enjoyed it, um, but I've also I also feel that like some of the claims that people make for it are quite exaggerated. You know. I think it's a trifle. Yeah. Genuinely, uh, it's a very expensive, beautiful, very nicely produced trifle with lots of really great scenes and things, but it's a trifle. I I well I would I would rate it higher than a trifle. For me, <laughs> it's like. It's it's something like Gone with the Wind, you know. Either it's very entertaining. Um, it has kind of you can understand why people love it, mm. really. Um, and it's something that's bound to engross people for years to come. And yet, it's not quite art, you know. It doesn't try to be. It doesn't. It doesn't attempt to say anything kind of difficult or complex or, you know, about kind of what it is to be human or what the world is like or. You know, it is all about kind of achieving a, certain, a very particular kind of audience response to kind of what is being dramatized. Mm. I mean, I think it did have a bit of that. Like I say, when it was when it when it was in that mode of the world being genuinely unpredictable and dangerous, and not knowing quite what would happen next and what the place were, was for people and things, I think it had an element of that. Like that seemed thematically interesting, mm. and I think that has the latter kind of half of the show um, did away with that or had no interest in that. I think would and became more interested in as you were sort of saying its own mythos, its own you know kind of its characters' fates and what they're supposed to be and how they're all going to maneuver them into place for the where their final resting places sort of thing. Mm. You know, it was much more interesting when it was like we really could just make this up on 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 the spot. Mm. <laughs> what happens next? Though paradoxically, my understanding is that I don't know X amount of seasons follow the books very closely. I and think then, it's something like four or five. Yeah, and then the series has superseded the books. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think they're working from like. So maybe it actually was things. better when it used the books as a. It may have been as a blueprint, right? Although I've also heard, I've also read things. I've not read the books particularly. I have, but I can't remember them. <laughs> I've also read things saying that um, there were there were many aspects in which the show is superior to the books, including um, a really grimy uh, sort of degree of sexism in the books. From what I understand. I can't remember that either. I mean. You know, I was ill for a while, and what I do remember is I was engrossed in those books. Yeah. Like, they really made time pass, and, you know, you could spend, like, the whole day in them. 
you know, and actually that was very helpful when I wasn't feeling very well. Um, but actually, they can't have been that good because I barely remember anything about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know the thing, you, we, were, we were mentioning uh, whether it's art or not, or what makes it art. Um, you know the thing about one of the creators of the show, and let me just find the quote very quickly because it's a lovely quote. This is from an article on Grantland in 2013. And this done the round, he, mm. people have probably heard this. Um, when I asked Benioff and Vice, which are the two creators of the show, um, obviously the writer mm. of the novels is George R. R. Martin. Mm. Um, when I asked Benioff and Vice if it was possible to infer any overall intentionality to the upcoming ten episodes, they sneered. Themes are for eighth grade book reports, Benioff told me. But that's not true. Well, it's not true. But yeah, coming from the guy who made the show. Yeah. Jesus. Um... I mean, but it's also not true of the show yeah, that, that I there are themes that are explored in each of the seasons. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, so why but, do you think he denied that? Um, it's funny because I think I, it, I think if it's uh, like a like a macho thing, like I'm not interested in themes. I'm just interested in cutting off people's heads. And there's a th- there's weirdly, I, I kind of makes you think of how many people in this show. Um, have their dicks cut off. Like, there's a whole army of people without dicks, and there's Theon, who's, <laughs> <laughs> who's, uh, who has his dick off, and he's kind of emasculated and that sort of thing, and then people constantly make reference to him not having a dick. That's... There's, there's Varys, who is yes. a eunuch, um, and people are, again, constantly making jokes about that. Um, it's funny, that, like, there is, there, there is a, a kind of... There is a thing about that, it's like true. It's a stupid, true. macho sort of... Well, if you haven't got a dick, you're not a man. Yes. You know, and Though, is that like is that reflecting the kind of time and place it's supposed to be vaguely set in, or is it the show speaking? Well, the <laughs> thing about what is a man and being a man and so on is one of the themes of the shows. The whole character of Tyrion is about that. Yeah, you know, so um, you know that's definitely one of the things. Um, yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's wrap it up here. There's a there's a thing, um, and the fun, you know, there's Podrick who has a magic cock, and they never made they never revisited that, and I was very disappointed. I can't even remember. Pod, Podrick is um, he's just this young lad who ends up being Brienne's squire, but he's oh like, I remember he, him. He, yes, I think he's also Tyrion's squire as well, and and like for a birthday present, um, Tyrion and Bronn, I think, um, buy him three prostitutes. And then he comes back, and he also gives them their gold back. And they say, didn't you pay them? They said, no, they didn't want paying. And there's this whole thing about how he has a magic cock and no one knew. But they didn't revisit that. I really wanted them to. Isn't he the one that ended up with... uh, No, the younger one. The the younger Stark. Arya. Arya. Did he end up with her? I thought no. That you yeah, know, there's a guy who looks similar. That's that's Robert Baratheon's bastard son, ah. who basically doesn't show up for a long time, which allows you to get him confused with Podrick. All right. But it's not the same guy. That's a I can't remember his name. It begins with G. That okay. is a different bloke though. But okay. they do look the same. All right. Okay. Yeah. Righto. Well. Um, anyway. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, that, that kind of conversation is fine. To be fair. To be fair, like I like, have not sh- heard about Podrick's magic. Well, you just you just don't remember the episode. <laughs> but you know that's one of the things like it's, it, it is a show where you can just get into the weeds and go oh I like this character I like that character I like the story and so on you can talk for 15 hours about it which mm. is you know for, for the for the show's various flaws and faults and whatever that's good fun yes yeah 
All right. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping on the movies today. Eavesdropping on something that may or may not be television. <laughs> it is television. It just is television. It's expensive television. Um, we're on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and YouTube to listen to. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.